Welcome to this episode of Product Bits, a sub-20-minute show about product management and building digital products, because you don't have the time and I'm lazy. I'm your host, Jordan Wilkerson. So this episode was born out of frustration, I'll be honest. While I love talking tactical, today's episode is going to be a bit of an op-ed. So let me explain. Ever since the release of ChatGPT, I've seen weekly, if not daily, posts about how ChatGPT and its future successors will kill industry X, Y, or Z. In particular, I've seen literal polls where people are asking what roles in tech will be eliminated by these tools and utilities. So one of the interesting things I see across all of these posts is that people are absolutely convinced that AI is going to kill the role of software engineers and product managers in particular, much in the way that electricity killed the need for lamplighters. But the reality is that people have these weird biases around AI. They're shocked, they're appalled, they're mesmerized, inspired, etc. Everything in between by this you know, sudden surge of these tools. And they have every right to be. I'm one of them. But the loudest people on the internet will make you believe, based on whatever category of fascination that they have with these utilities or biases that they have on this topic, that what they're saying is in fact an objective truth. X will eliminate Y. As an example, AI art generation will destroy the creative industry. AI will replace product managers, etc. But no one knows the future, right? So to state things like this, especially right now, is simply guessing at best. That said, these things are powerful. And so people entering into the job market or those that are seeing these tools operate and have these grandiose visions of future doom or perceived dread are entitled to their opinions because, quite frankly, they're valid. As biased as they may be, they're still valid. So what I've done today is I've challenged myself to give you just a couple points of an opinion, but in direct context of being in product and as someone who is using these tools a lot already. So I want to make this very clear up front. My goal is not to convince you in this episode that I'm objectively correct or that my opinion is more valid than anyone else's. Rather, I want this episode to be a look at both what I view the immediate and intermediate benefits and challenges that these tools will present to this field in particular. Because the truth is always somewhere in the middle, right? The future isn't binary. So let's get into this. The reality is that product management is a clusterfuck of a career, okay? We, we talked about this, I think, on episode three or four in, a, in an episode called Product Ain't Sexy, right? It's, it's fun, it's stressful, it's crazy, but it's chaotic. And most importantly, it's loosely defined company to company outside of you know, general expectations. But the one thing, ironically, that I see as being common in this field, which is traditionally anything but common, is burnout. Owning accountability is tough. Owning it for the full range of tasks from research to idea generation to execution to delivery to go to market etc., is a lot for any one person or any one role to take on. And we do it every day. And this is where I see AI as being extremely advantageous to us. AI tools, generally speaking, are designed around optimization of key variables. That means the things that you put into it. You ask ChatGPT a question, it gives you an answer. You further refine it gives you closer to what your output was intended to be to make it truly valuable to you. 
much in the way that discussions on complex topics do, right? If somebody talks to you about, I don't know, geospatial geometry, <laughs> I don't know, or quantum mechanics or quantum computing, and you're, you're talking to them and they're an expert in the topic, you're going to ask a lot of questions, right? Until you can refine it down to your level. That's effectively what tools like ChatGPT are, are doing, okay? But the key word here that you may not have indexed on is that I said they get you closer to what you truly want. They don't give you exactly what you want. They get you closer, especially when you're dealing with questions around uncertainties or risk. It is because of this that I view tools like ChatGPT and those that will inevitably follow as productivity tools. And really, in our context, as burnout reduction utilities, let's call them. So I, I kind of look at them as like scripting. Scripting, right, doing things programmatically, said another way, has been around since the dawn of computing. Back in the day, when I had the drive to keep my coding skills up to par, which I, I do not anymore, I was basically automating anything that I had to do more than twice in my job if I could. I'd seek all kinds of ways to automate my job, whether that was in Excel, in command lines, or in shells, whatever. I probably spent more time automating tasks than actually, you know, just doing them, but I, I didn't want the annoyance. And once I figured that out one time successfully, I never had to do that thing again, right? I, a quick funny story on this to show the power of automation and why I love it so much. I worked in desktop support as an undergrad and as a graduate student, and I was at this stuffy financial institution. And my boss's boss, who I did not get along with whatsoever, tasked me with installing Citrix virtual login clients on over 75 machines on a Friday evening before a hurricane was scheduled to hit that Sunday. Uh, and this is before, you know, remote work was really a thing. So Citrix virtual login was like a big deal. And these people knew they probably weren't going to be in the office on, on Monday and Tuesday. And so they needed to roll this out. He waited until Friday evening to give this task to me because he knew I had class on Fridays and he wanted an excuse to fire me. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. <laughs> so I skipped the late lunch. I was on Stack Overflow the rest of the day, cobbling together a script to do the deployment and installs of this tool without having any user interaction. And it was done roughly two hours after he sent the initial email. And I even made it to class that night. <laughs> so fuck you, Paul. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I digress. It's not like I'm holding on to that or anything, right? Uh, anyway, so that's a small demonstration of the power of automation, right? You can do massive tasks in very short amount of time, and you can do repetitive tasks endlessly, okay? And we have these kinds of tasks and efforts as product managers, right? We do that kind of stuff all the time. And so these tools, even today, can augment our ability to offload burdensome, repeatable tasks easily. You know, I obviously don't know your exact situation, but I can say, you know, if you're doing any kind of data analysis, any kind of forecasting, any kind of pattern recognition, these tools are excellent. They excel at this, right? And you can do all of those things without the assistance of tapping other resources, other people, learning new skills even, right? As long as you can get these things the right data and you're doing it in a safe way where you're protecting your IP and all that, you can actually make these things hum for you, right? You can make them sing for you. And they can even be used for what I'll call 
relatively complex tasks like generating product specs or, you know, fake PR releases, that kind of thing, and getting us close, again, close to what we actually need. You know, if you write a detailed enough prompt without exposing any IP, again, I'm going to keep repeating that because everything you type into ChatGPT is going to somebody's server somewhere and now it's part of the hive mind that it feeds off of. So don't type IP into these tools. But anyway, without exposing that IP, you put in a prompt about a concept and you can get pretty good outputs. Now, personally, I don't think this output's very good right now. I just don't. I, I, I think it's kind of obvious that it's pulling from random sources and trying to stitch something together. It's not worth the time of decompiling that to me, right? But I know people that are in a product role right now that are more consumer facing that they're writing up blogs or they're writing up scripts that they're going to read during webinars, that kind of thing, they will take their written material and they'll feed it to the AI and they'll ask the tool to read the material and then say, what did you learn by reading what I wrote? To ensure that the material is clear and that the key takeaways are in alignment with what they expect. Those kinds of things are very powerful. My point is that when it comes to these kinds of tasks, analysis of data, automation of trivial tasks, to moderately complex challenges like communication development and analysis, these tools speed up your process 100 times over. You're never going to beat these tools, okay? So it, it's advantageous to take advantage of them. And if you don't, at some point, you will be left behind. But this doesn't mean that you are replaced as a product manager because you're using these tools or because these tools simply exist. What it means is that you've augmented yourself. You're now a cyborg. Congratulations. Embrace that. You can now leverage these tools to focus on what you actually want or need to be doing. We already wear a ton of different hats in this role. And each of those, every time you put on a different hat, has a new set of tasks. There are mundane bullshit tasks with every single hat that you wear. And if you can eliminate them, even 80%, 60%, in, in terms of having to grind those things out, you can focus on what you're passionate about, right? And what you've been hired to do, to actually do. And you can augment and offload the additional stuff, not on any other person, but on these tools. And that's a net positive for all of us. Now, here's the hard truth and the dark side of this. In my experience as a consultant, I worked in a lot of different places, a lot of different kinds of organizations, a lot of different personalities, right? Some organizations just don't get the function of product and they misinterpret the whole thing to fit into their definition of what product quote unquote should be. And a lot of times in a lot of places, they have product managers doing nothing but those trivial things because their sales guys don't want to do it. Their marketing people don't want to do it. Their leadership doesn't want to do it. Their engineers don't want to do it. No tech writers, et cetera. They don't have business analysts. They don't have product owners, all, whatever. It all falls to the PM to do. Sometimes even run, running the damn projects. Okay, it's just a misinterpretation, but that's for another topic. But in a lot of places, quote unquote, product managers are doing quote unquote product management in this way. Okay. And for those PMs, the risks of these to tools is, is very dire. I'll be honest, it's, it's extremely dire and understandably so, right? Because let's say you're in a position where you have this group of people where all they're doing is cranking out requirements pages or user stories or whatever. And they're, they're not driving direction. They're not establishing go-to-market. They're not working with users, et cetera. 
Okay. There are people in product management roles that are doing just that. It's sad, but true. If you're in a role like that, in an organization like that, it's obvious that they simply don't value the product management role, period. Let alone when they find out that some fancy new tool comes around and the CEO or the new intern or whoever can throw some requirements together by asking these tools to do it for them. So why would I need that entire group? Why would I need that person, right? This though, in thinking about it, in speaking that out loud, may be a blessing in disguise if you're in that situation because you just can't grow as a product person in organizations like that. But I understand and can empathize with the fact that that's scary, right, to think about. It is possible. Also, when you're using these tools, there are legitimate ethical concerns. And what I mean by this is, uh, let's take like AI art as, a, as an example. It's very cut and dry with AI art. They're using tools that sit on top of data that other artists have created, and they're effectively stealing brushstrokes from those artists, right? And I don't want to get into this, but I think it's pretty clear cut that there is ethical concerns about that being a thing. But tools like ChatGPT are privy to this as well. It may not be as obvious, but there isn't a single AI that is active today or that will ever be built in the future that isn't being fed data from both private and public sources, unsourced. And while that may not be a concern to you, it certainly is a concern to the people who created the original content, right? The original products, et cetera. And so this is kind of this gray area that's just not defined yet, but it certainly exists. And by you blindly consuming this information out of these tools, you are getting essentially a little bit less than flat-out plagiarism, which in and of itself is not illegal, but it is morally and ethically questionable in the best of situations. You also have to factor in that if you're just blindly consuming this data and you don't really have to put a lot of effort into generating that information and you're putting a ton of trust in a proprietary tool that is black box to you and has its own biases, which they all will have, if you're using that to derive answers to questions and those kinds of things, cool, it's, it's fun, it's interesting, it can get you most of the way there. But at some point, if you're not doing anything with the information yourself and not thinking for yourself, you run the risk of stagnating. In our industry, you cannot stagnate. Stagnation is death. So while I think it's advantageous to use these tools, it's to use them moderately, right? Not to augment your entire job away. I'm saying that you can't augment your entire job away, but you can use it extensively to the point where you're just producing crap, right? And people will notice, right? There's a little, there, there, there's always something a little bit off. Even with AI art, that kind of stuff, you look at it, it's a little bit off, a little bit not human, right? People will be able to identify that over time the more and more exposed they get. The, the, the reality of this is that these tools are going to become ubiquitous, meaning there's no putting them back in the bottle at this point. And the reality still, though, is that most companies, no matter how hard of a science they are in or quote unquote quantitatively driven they are, at the end of the day, they're still going to depend on people particularly product people, to make decisions with human brains, right? Even the most technical implementations in the world today, from hedge funds to hedge trimmers, are designed, built, and managed 
by human minds. I got the chance to see how a large hedge fund in New York operated uh, a while back, and everything was algorithmically traded, right? But parameters and interpretations of the data was still managed by people. It's still ultimately people making the calls. Okay. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, these tools are designed for us to put inputs into the systems and processes. We get outputs. We then decide what to do with those outputs and use those outputs in our decision-making process. These tools are just going to help us get much better outputs, much faster, and at a substantially higher volume than before. They cannot quantize human experience. They cannot quantize empathy. They cannot quantize perception. And they cannot contextualize things in any sense of the word. These are not general intelligence, sort of replacement of human intelligence, artificial intelligence systems. How many times did I say intelligence there? Too many times. Point is, we're not even close to that, okay? They can't look outside their own bounds and limitations of data available to them, which is why I think that they cannot effectively emulate decision-making, especially in ambiguous environments and roles like the ones we as PMs have. So I guess chaos is our curse and our blessing. <laughs> so do I fear our robot overlords in the future? No, not based off of what I've seen and what I see coming in the next couple of years. Instead, I'm going to embrace them as upgrades to my own thought processes while I wait for the next death knell of product management and the next death knell of general software development practices because it's been going on for decades. And I suggest that you do the same. So that'll do it for today's episode. Starting next week, I will begin releasing these every Wednesday instead of Monday. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And until next time, be good to one another. Bye.